water. Water is source of life. Water, too much of it, and we drown. Too little of it, and we die. Water is what cleanses us, what allows us to be transformed. At the well, Jesus meets a woman, and he offers her living water. Today we'll reaffirm our baptism. We'll together remember the power of cleansing work that God does in our lives. Welcome to Chapelwood United Methodist Church. My name is Peter Cameron. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you as together we worship God this morning. Uh, the uh, worship band's going to lead us in an opening song. Again, I want to welcome you to Chapelwood United Methodist Church. Uh, my name is Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. We're excited if you're here as a guest. Uh, I hope that you've been warmly welcomed already uh, and that you feel like this place is becoming home. I do hope that you'll take an opportunity and fill out the um, guest registration pads. Uh, just kind of spot it in your pew and be sure to grab it. Uh, fill out your information. I know you think I I've been sitting in this pew for decades. I, I get it. But there's somebody uh, on the pew um, who wants to greet you by name and and your name is on the tip of their tongue. And if they get a chance to peek at the registration pad, uh, they'll be able to remember that name. There's also ways to kind of connect you to the church and kind of let us know what you're doing, where you are. Uh, but be, be sure uh, to fill out the registration pad. If you find that you open your registration pad and there is no registration pad, oh, come bring it to me after service so that I can make sure that it has uh, the right information in it. Um, I think um, uh, I want to invite you to stand up and greet each other uh, in the name of Christ. Uh, turn to a neighbor and say good morning. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> good morning. Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. As water splashed across our face, awaken us in the morn. May your word awaken us to your presence. Wash us in your wisdom, bathe us in your goodness, refresh us with your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Our scripture lesson comes to us today from John 4, verses 4 through 14. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He came to a Samaritan town called Sychar, which was near the land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down at the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy him some food. The Samaritan woman asked, why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. Jesus responded, If you recognize God's gift and who is saying to you, Give me some water to drink, you would be asking him and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you don't have a bucket, and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave this well to us, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. 
Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I wonder if you know this name, Ron Pompeil. Is that a name that's familiar? Ron Pompeil. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but I think that's pretty close. It's not a household name. But if I mentioned to you maybe one of his creations, like the Vegematic, does that clue you in? It slices, it dices, it juliannes perfectly. I always thought Julianne was a person in my science class, not a way to chop vegetables. Uh, Ron was the uh, beginner of Ronco. Ronco was responsible for a number of things through the 60s and 70s that kind of revolutionized how some of advertising happened on TV. I mean, how many times do you see the as seen on TV logo? That's a Ronco uh, invention. He was responsible for all of those little gadgets and moments that if you bought it for $9.99 and six weeks shipping and handling, you could be the person that slices and dices like your mother always intended you to be the person that slices and dices. You could measure up. You could finally be the person who throws those parties with those beautiful um, creations on the veggie tray, right? Ron Pompeil's autobiography entitled The Salesman of the Century may not be as much of an exaggeration as we think. Uh, Ron was uh, someone who figured out the connection between who we wish we could be and the gadgets that could get us there. These days we talk about there's an app for that. Right, though we didn't have iDevices back then, uh, Ron Coe could supply the thing that could make it right. I mean, think about all the different gadgets that Ron uh, came up with. You had the Ronco bottle and jar cutter. I never knew that a bottle and jar needed cutting. Um, the buttoneer, the smokeless ashtray. I mean, that sounds wonderful, right? The Mr. Microphone, the salad spinner. Who has a salad spinner in their cabinets, right? I mean, it's not so strange. Now, there is that one, um, let's see, the pocket fisherman, and then GLH. Uh, GLH stood for good-looking hair. Um, and, and I promise you, I'm gonna describe the product, and it's not a Saturday Night Live uh, skit, okay? Good-looking hair was a piece of uh, cardboard with a circle cut out of it um, with a, um, uh, uh, a can of hairspray that had color in it. And for men that uh, was la were lacking uh, color up there, uh, you put the cardboard cutout on your head and you spray paint the color. This really sold. <laughs> I'm not sure why, right? So um, Ronco, um, you know, it, 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 we like to say the it slices, it dices, it juliennes, but in fact, he says he never used that language um, in the infomercials, but what he would do when it got to talking about onions, he'd say when slicing or dicing onions, the only tears you'll shed are tears of joy, right? Think about the power of marketing and advertising, that buying a product 
that the only tears you'll shed are tears of joy. Unofficially or officially, I like to say that the Vegematic heralds the beginning of the time in the 60s and 70s where we would be willing to buy anything if it would make us more like what we thought we were supposed to be. We would buy uh, anything if it would help us get closer to the high expectations that the world puts upon us. And it flows right into social media and reality TV and all of these bids for 15 minutes of fame. I mean, have you not realized that on Facebook, everybody seems happy? Why is that? No one says they had a bad day on Facebook. Uh, interestingly enough, I think Ronco begins this measuring up and buying things to help us measure up. Our scripture story today is about a, uh, one woman uh, who I really do believe would be willing to buy any product of Ronco if it could make the past different and the future more reliable. Um, Jesus encounters the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He is traveling through and stops at the well uh, for a drink. In an arid desert climate, this makes sense. His disciples go on into town and get food, and they're going to be bringing it back. While he's there at the well, a woman comes along with containers sufficient to get the the water that she needs for the day. Not the most sensible thing to do at noon. Most of the women would come in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. No one came at noon to get their water. Going at noon to get your water is like saying, I'll just drive through Houston traffic at five o'clock. Surely it'll be a breeze. It's hot and one only goes to the well at noon if they are trying to avoid everyone else. So um, Jesus asks her a simple question. He says, uh, will you give me a drink? And this woman's antenna go off immediately. Who are you, a Jewish man, to ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink of water? Don't you know that way back up in the family tree, um, we got conquered by Babylon and half the people got taken off into exile and the rest of us that stayed here, we intermarried and took on some pagan practices and when the rest of you people came back from exile, you called us less than dirt and dogs. We're not supposed to talk. Much less, we're unrelated and unmarried and we're alone at the well. This doesn't happen in a Middle East society. The woman, uh, Jesus says to her, if you knew who was asking you, you'd ask me for water. And I'd give you living water that you won't ever be thirsty from again and will cause a, a, a spring to bubble up to eternal life. Okay, so the woman's getting to the point now where she's like, you know, um, you're crazy and I need to leave. Um, uh, There were no tasers or, uh, you know, uh, peppermint sprays in those days. She says, how in the world are you going to give me water? You didn't bring a bucket to draw and you have nothing to carry at home. Surely we're not on the same playing field. And Jesus says, go and get your husband and I'll tell him about the living water. And she kind of shuffles, she doesn't really admit, and he says, to be honest, you have had five husbands, and the one that you're living with now isn't your husband. Now, up until that, the one that you're living now isn't your husband. She was good. I mean, there were 
possible reasons within a world of famine and war uh, and um, no medical care uh, that her husbands might have died in succession and she knowing that older women who are not married are either begging on the streets prostitutes or find someone else to marry she put the better option five times in a row but now since she hasn't married the one she's living with she's in sin so Jesus says I got the living water. She says, you know, are you better than Jacob, our family patriarch who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Are you better than him? And finally she gets kind of, all right, I'm good, right? She says one of those, how's the weather kind of statements in biblical culture. She says, well, when the Messiah comes, he can explain it to us all. And Jesus says, I am the one you're talking about. And as the disciples come back with the food, and she sees the interchange between the group, her eyes are opened, and she leaves everything she has there at the well, and she runs back to the village to tell them about the man who knew everything about me and offered me living water. What a powerful story. The woman who chooses to ostracize, to isolate, to move away from everyone else because she knows she doesn't measure up, because she knows she can never enter the synagogue, she can't hang out with polite society, life has done her wrong and she cannot fix what has been broken, leaves everything she has to tell those people who ostracized her about Jesus. It's kind of challenging these days, not that I'm complaining, to be a pastor of a church in America. I mean, with all of the national studies and public perceptions of how folk outside the church view people inside the church, it's a hard road to hoe. You know that um, the people who don't go to church outnumber the people who do go to church, and the people who don't go to church, they think the people who do go to church are three things, uh, hypocritical, judgmental, and anti-gay. Let's leave anti-gay to the side because General Conference is gonna talk about that for way too long in April and we'll all have to do whatever they say. So let's just spend time with hypocritical and judgmental. So the people outside church don't come inside church, not because they disagree with what we believe in, not because they don't agree with scripture, not because they don't want to have living water, but they don't come in because they assume when they walk in, we'll all be looking at them going, oh, look at that. She's finally decided to come. I guess having that baby with that guy that she didn't marry didn't keep her from coming to church. Or, or look at him, he, he didn't have a job. He don't come in here. Does he know we have a building campaign? He's gonna have to pony up. Do you see that what's keeping people from coming in isn't necessarily our high expectations of laws and rules and measuring up, but people don't wanna come in the door because they feel like we're hypocritical and judgmental, that there's not a place for them. I find that astonishing, that what keeps people from coming to church isn't the fact that Westboro Baptist Church pickets soldiers' funerals with graphic pictures related to abortion. That's how it keeps people out of churches. That it's not the Unitarians who are so left they look like they're right and they have found a way to explain away every piece of scripture that might have a bearing on our lives. It's not them. What keeps them away is they assume we've got it all together 
and they don't. I think it's an interesting piece for us to think about that inviting people in, uh, into church, um, has no longer been an easy bid to come be part of the potluck fellowship. But what it's come down to is they've come to the realization that we've hidden all of our faults and we're gonna blame them for all of theirs. When Jesus encounters the woman at the well, who remembers the law? It's the woman. Who remembers grace? It's Jesus. You see, the woman wants to create all of these reasons why she can't be a part of whatever Jesus is doing. And Jesus says, yeah, thanks, that's okay. Mm, Sure, okay. Jesus invites with open arms for her to be part of the family. Now, there's still chores once you join the family. I'm not going to say everything is free reign and there's no expectations for people to live life uh, uh, appropriately through Scripture. In some ways, you got to believe that inside that woman's head, listening to the idea of living water, she hears it slices, it dices, it does everything. It's too good to be true. Until her eyes are opened and she goes to tell everyone. Uh, This last week, I went to a retreat um, that had a speaker that talked about how churches could match up better with their neighborhood. Now, I think we match up pretty well with our neighborhood, but uh, churches that are urban inside the Lube, think St. Paul's United Methodist Church, there by the museum district, um, their neighborhood has changed, and they have to figure out how to um, uh, resemble it had to serve it, had to minister to it. So there's one particular church up in Minnesota, they told the story uh, that the church had become very much a affluent, uh, highly educated, uh, lots of um, university and college professors. They all drove in from uh, the suburbs, um, that the people who lived around the church uh, were um, not um, like them. Uh, They um, uh, lived in places that the church members would have called uh, a ghetto or a slum, that they didn't have education, they didn't have access, there were many things that made them different from the core leaders of that church. And so over the course of a month, they decided, we're going to conquer this thing. It wasn't that people wouldn't come and visit that were from the neighborhood. It was they just didn't know what to do with them. So, all right, this is what we're going to do with them. When they come in the door, we'll pass them um, a, a little um, uh, survey, and it, it asks, how poor are you? Um, do you not have food? Do you not have shelter? Do you not have a job? Do you not have medical care? And at the bottom it said, because we'll help you get those things. How many surveys did they get back? Right? Nobody likes to be asked, how poor are you? So the next month they said, Let's do it differently. They made um, a list of 15 pages of things that um, you could respond to of what do you love, what do you like to do, what are you blessed with? And they decided instead of passing out a form, they'd actually sit one-on-one with people after church. And so they're sitting with this one woman, her name's Angelita, and um, as they go down the list, they get to, do you like to cook for other people? And her face lights up. She says, yes. In fact, it was so powerful of a yes, the lady got up, took Angelita with her, and they went to see the senior pastor and said, senior pastor, this is Angelita. She loves to cook for people. And the senior pastor says, I have a staff meeting on Wednesday about 15 people, it's over lunch. Would you cook for us? And Halita said, 
Yes. So he gave her uh, more than enough money to go buy food and um, didn't say anything to her about how much or where or what. At the staff meeting, they sat down to the most delightful uh, fajitas. I mean, just it was everything you could ever imagine, all there made by hand. While they're there at the staff meeting, and Halita's sitting at the table, everyone's loving the moment, the secretary comes in and says, you know that big group of people who are coming for this weekend, um, they're going to stay in our church and they're going to do some mission work in the area. They would like to use our caterer. We don't have a caterer. And the senior pastor looked over at Anne Halita and said, I don't know. I think we do. You want to cook food for 100 people? And Halita said, Yes. Now they did do one thing. They printed up business cards for Anne Halita. They scattered them all around the church on the tables. Um, it had Anne Halita's name and her phone number. And then the credentials were one sentence. It said, she cooks good food. All those business cards were gone. A couple of days later, somebody calls up Anne Halita. We're having a wedding reception. Will you bake the cake? And Anne Halita said, yes. Uh, somebody calls up and says, we're having a dinner party. We'd like uh, some really wonderful food. We heard your fajitas are wonderful. Will you cook? And Angelita said, yes. Y you see, when asking Angelita what she loves to do, what she's rich about, what she would like to share with others, they happened upon something beautiful. And the story goes, that if you go to Minneapolis, near this church, a few blocks away, there's this new exciting restaurant that opened up it's simply named Angelita's Fajitas. You see, when we ask people, how poor are you? How absent from the Bible are you? How um, unrelated to church are you? We've become hypocritical and judgmental. That we didn't walk in the door knowing what we were doing. And probably the truth could be told that we don't know what we're doing yet. But we believe in a God who offers living water who doesn't ask, how bad off are you? But instead says, come be part of the family. Come do what you love to do. Come together and belong, as together we share the faith. I wonder if the woman at the well was just waiting for that moment, for someone not to judge her, not to assume how horrible she was, but to say to her, I've got living water. It sounds too good to be true, but if you knew who gave it, you'd know how wonderful it is. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. It's not about eating the whole elephant at once. It's not about doing it all by next Sunday, but rather taking the next step. If you're not familiar with Scripture, maybe today's the day to commit to reading the Gospel of Mark. It'll take less than 45 minutes, and it's easy to read. Maybe you haven't um, found a group to study with. We have groups that meet in homes in the evenings and groups that meet uh, here on Sunday mornings during Sunday school. What is your next step? What is the next place of discipleship for you? Uh, don't wait until tomorrow. Take that next step today. 
Um, also, if today's the day that you'd like to join the church, you're welcome to come down during our closing hymn. Uh, we'd love to accept you into the membership and talk about um, if uh, baptisms or other decisions need to be made. Uh, and if today's the day that you'd like to reaffirm your faith in Christ, you're welcome to come down as well. Our closing song is I Need Thee Every Hour. Uh, you can find it in the hymnal on page 397. Uh, David Hill's going to lead us in that song. All right, I want to introduce to you Joseph and Sabra, and the kiddos are Serena, Jenna, Sabra, and Tristan, all right? Um, uh, there's wonderful connections uh, between Sabra and this church. Went to preschool here when you were a kiddo, right? Um, so um, she's a familiar face. Um, we want to um, welcome them into membership, so I ask you, will you, uh, having, sub uh, having um, confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Will you support this church by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service? If, you'll, if so, you'll say, I will. I will. I will. Wonderful. We're so glad to have you. We have a quick uh, response. Brothers and sisters, I commend to your love and care these persons which we this day receive into the membership of the congregation. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We rejoice to recognize you as members of Christ's holy church and bid you welcome to this congregation of the United Methodist Church. With you, we renew our vows to uphold it by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. With, with God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that surrounded by steadfast love, you may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. All right, we're so glad. Can I shake hands? Can I shake, get a, a high five, a high five, a high five, a high five. Good job. Wonderful. I'm going to have you all walk out, and I'll follow you in just a second. Um, if you'll, um, let's see, there's Stephen Ministers here, uh, Joyce Lynn's over here, and oh, Oren probably is a good Stephen Minister too. Um, if you'd like someone to pray with you right now or to arrange the care for uh, you or someone you love, uh, Joyce Lynn is more than qualified to do that today. Uh, grab a hand next to you for our closing benediction. Almighty God, we give thanks that you washed us made us clean as snow, adopted us into the family, and sent us out to love others on behalf of you. Send us out in such a way that others might begin to call this place home. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen.